0: Podcast is part of the Sports Social Podcast Network.
1: Hello, and welcome to another West London Sport Keep Your Podcast on the back of what's been a dismal week for. Rangers who followed up Saturday's 2-1 home loss to Millwall with a 3-0 defeat to Sunderland at Loftus Road last night. the Dieng's error for the first Sunderland goal was followed by Ilias Chair's missed penalty. And then former Rangers' lonely Jack Clark who played more like Tula Clark during his in season W12 bagged two late goals. Thousands of blokes were left thinking as they sloped out the ground that maybe taking the misses out for Valentine's Day dinner wasn't such a bad shout after all. With the visit to inform Middlesbrough coming up on Saturday and a treatment room that resembles a scene from a series finale of casualty there's no respite in sight for under-fire Rangers boss Neil Critchley, who's tasted just one victory in his 11 games in charge. For the team, that record stretches back to one winning 17 games, but the former Blackpool boss is firmly in the firing line after a fourth 3-0 league defeat since the resumption of the season following the World Cup. I'm joined as ever by Rangers former Rangers striker Kevin Gallum and once again by QPR programme editor and former Kilburn Times sports editor Ben Costing. Firstly to you Kev it's not been good but surely the problems of this team go deeper than the manager uh, rightly or wrongly he must be skating on thin ice
0: yeah well, well it's the, it's, we all know in football it's a results business for managers and since uh, since he took charge it hasn't it's been poor there's no no getting away with it and the last two home games have been I haven't You know, been nowhere near good enough levels for QPR in the future, in the past or whatever, just not good enough. And, uh, yeah, I mean, it's it's all well and it's all for us well and good, always blaming the manager. It can't always be the manager's fault. There's something something quite not right down at the club at the moment. Um, Because at the end of the day, uh, when you're a football player and you cross that white line... You gotta have a bit of personal pride. You gotta to want to win. You wanna want to. to you gotta want to run and tackle. You wanna, if you're a striker or a forward, you wanna take people on. You wanna get shots in and goal. You're a defender. You wanna win your headers. So, yeah, you know, I mean, there's no way um, Critchley is telling the, the lads to play like that um, in the last two games. I mean, it's just. Especially at home as well, with your in front of your home supporters, it's just poor, and I it's a difficult one. But he, uh, if you don't get results quick, he ain't going to be there f- uh, f- for long. Unfortunately for him, Ben, it's it's hard not to think the manager's been throwing a bit of
1: a hand pass, you know, given the circumstances when he arrived at the club and with some loan signings already here, but unable to play, it's sort of limited what he could do in January to kind of put his stamp on the team.
2: Yeah, I, th- I think that's a fair point to make. And I mean, um, he, he's inherited a situation where I think a lot of people were feeling a bit sorry for themselves after the whole uh, Mick Beale departure saga. Um, and yes, Neil Critchley has not been lucky in terms of uh, injuries. That's also true. He's, he's ended up with his uh, uh, first choice centre forwards uh, in hospital with pneumonia, now, now thankfully recovering. Um, At the time, no obvious replacement. Um, He's ended up with a situation where having had uh, four centre-halves available, he's he's now down to two. Um, No cover for for them or at left back either. Um, And midfield until recently. Stefan Johansson had been out injured for three months. Until recently, he's had no real options in midfield either. So... I think it's got to be difficult when you're, you're in a situation where you, you can't change it around as, as much as you would probably like. And after a poor performance, you've got really little option but to go to the same bunch of players and say, go again. Uh, you might tinker with it. You might you might change the, the shape slightly. But by and large, you're, you're reliant on those uh, on, on those same groups to, to go out and somehow improve themselves. So... I think yeah it, it has been difficult circumstances but as has said this is a results business and uh yeah there's no real sugarcoating the the fact that the results certainly since that since the turn of the year or or since uh christmas boxing day you would say have no been nowhere nowhere near good enough
0: mm. ben I, uh, ian i've been We've been doing. How long are we doing this podcast? Two years. And Ben, you were you were doing it at the start. And I'm not saying I know it all. I'm not going to go. But I have been banging on about the club and the lack of strikers at the club. And every window we've talked about, I keep talking about strikers, strikers, strikers. And we're going to talk about it in the summer strike. I just don't get how. We just don't. Why don't we get some strikers in? I, I can't get my head around it. Mm. Yeah, I mean, I think uh... every, no, everyone's calling for it. Every fan, every Tom, Dick, and Harry in the stand is calling for strikers. We ain't got any, mm. and we have to revert to Chris Martin, who's a 34 year old. And you know, I'm not gonna, notice. I think he's a good player. I played with him when I was coming to the end of my career at Luton, and he's a good lad. He knows what he's doing, and he's runners off him. If they get the ball into him. He'll hold it and he'll put people in, but you need runners in behind him. He needs pace around him and to get the best out of him. But we're reverting to a three-month sign in to try and get us out of this situation when we've all been calling out for strikers for the last two and a half, three years. I just mm. don't get I don't get it. Yeah. Everyone can
1: see it. Yeah. I mean, you, you you look at the injury list, you've got Clark Salter, who was brought into a place. Um, Barbe who played every week. Clark thought he's played 12 games. You've got Ethan Laird, he's injured again. Tyler Roberts doesn't play. Taylor Richards never plays. Liam Balagan was let go by Glasgow Rangers because he was injury prone. Players all bought in by Beal. I mean, I feel a bit of sympathy for Critchley. You, you know, when you throw in Chris Willoughby been injured. Luke Amos is always injured. Dykes is out. Johansson can't play two games in a week and but there, as you say there needs to be some accountability in the recruitment department about, you know, these players have you know, some of your players are just not robust enough you so, know, just because, just because the previous manager wanted them and he's up in Scotland now winning PR awards against Pike Fistle. He's not here to answer the question. Why did you sign these players?
0: You know, yeah, but, yeah, but the, the model of QPR is, you know, we have a coach and then we have people behind who, who get the players. And so we've talked about this, you know, hmm. does the manager choose the players or that's the old school is manager brings in the players. The manager gets sacked and there's a turnaround of plaid and it costs loads of money. Where the new model is, and what is that QPR is, the club buy the players and say to the coach, there's your players, coach them. That's the model, supposedly, that QPR have got. But have that. Here. Yeah. Now, regarding Barbe, in a back back four, he wasn't good enough as a, in, a, in a flat back four. But in a back three, or well, five, he was good enough. And one thing about him was he played every game. At the moment, QPR, we've got we're playing a, a flat back four, and we're all over the place. Mm. I mean, he's not half the player in a flat back four than than what he was in a in a in a three, wasn't? Isn't he? Yeah. So, I mean, he has got to take a little bit of um, stick for I think the shape and. You know, on Saturday, he's playing Andre Dezel, right midfield. He's got Willock on the bench. I know he came on and got injured, but you st- how can you have... On- I don't... Uh, I'm baffled. You're not helping yourself. You're at home. I'm, I'm in agreement with you about the shape, uh,
2: Keb. As you know, i I've always felt three at the back is a better option for the, for the players you've got. But the problem, of course, you've got at the moment is there literally aren't enough bodies to, to, to go through at the back. Um, I suppose technically you could perhaps put Osman Kakai in, in as a right-sided centre-back, but then that's all your defenders you're playing in one go. You, you're not going to do that. So it, it has it has almost been forced on, on on Critchley, whether he prefers a back four or a back three, he's now got no option but to stick with, with what's there, I feel.
0: I know I agree with that at the moment, but... I if everyone was available, would he still play a flat-back four? That's the question. And we, we don't know that answer. So. But looking at um, it right at the moment, Dicky and Dunn in a flat-back four, look to me, they haven't got the legs to play it. Yeah. The I mean, Knicks, you, you need you, you need a left-sided
1: defender to play in a back three. And Clark Salt was brought to the club for that reason. But I don't think Critchley's had him available maybe two games. Yeah. You know, and then, you know, Ethan, I mean, Kakai, I mean, I think Kakai did okay when he came on last night, but I think he he's better as a central defender than he is a fullback. But again, if Ethan Laird is out injured again, then who's the right-back? He's going to have to play right-back. So you're stuck with, you know, the same back four that's going to play against Middlesbrough on Saturday because, you know, that decision to let Conor Marston go out on loan isn't look so wise now, but I can understand it, why it, Marston wants to go out on loan. It's,
0: yeah, it's, we talked about this last year on this pod, about how many... Muscle injuries, QPR game yeah. And we're here again in the same place. Again, muscle, you know, it's not impact injuries that like I'm hearing about. These are muscle injuries, which in a way can be preventable if you rehab or, as they call it in modern day football, prehab, where you, you know, you, you, it's prehab is basically prevention of injuries. Um Impact injuries, you can't if someone t- tackles you and you get a whack, then you know that's you're unlucky. But muscle injuries, we talked about this last year where we had loads of muscle injuries, hamstrings and and this, and it's the same again this, this year. So uh. see, I wonder as well, you look at the when the
1: team is doing really well, everyone's fit and wanting to play. I look at it now, and someone that critically said on on tuesday monday when we spoke to him but um tyler roberts said he didn't feel right to play on friday now i understand where a player's point of view is like well i'm not quite right but surely he, he doesn't that sucks to me like he doesn't want to play he doesn't fancy it you know taking the easy option and you have to go well you've got blokes like that in your squad that are just sort of not quite right i mean taylor richards he, i know he's had a you know a a close friend passed away, very sadly, and that is why he missed a couple of games. But this player has never, he's barely played. Why is he being signed? That's the question I would ask. Why are you signing someone that's played, has had 40 games in three years, and you make him a season-long loan signing? I understand the reason why they signed him. You know, he is a talent and, you know, succession signing, etc., etc. But that's a loan signing spot that's been taken up by Riches and Roberts, and to bring in a striker, another striker in January or bring in another different, you can't do it because, you know, these the, the deals have been agreed. And again, I'll, I'll put it down to, you know, the former manager has gone, is that you can't, you know, portion all the blame to him. But where's the recruitment department in this? Why? And, and I think QBR, one thing... Why, the, why mm-hmm. the QBR board allowing to be so entranced by Mick Beal? This is Mick Beale again, where he's coming in... It was important for me to get this job because I had could have a say in recruitment. He said that. He said that when he got the job at Ibrox, a chance for me to be involved more in the recruitment side of things. This recruitment's been terrible, and it seems to me like Neil Critchley
2: is suffering because of it. Is that unfair? I think one thing. One thing you've got to throw into the, the mix as well Ian, is is that you know quite a few years ago, the the, the plan, if you like, included the idea that. There are going to be players coming through the youth system into the first team um and some you know some of the managers that, that have been there in recent years have made efforts to to, to to make that happen but we haven't with the exception of Sinclair Armstrong who I think we agree is promising but not yet finished article by any means um you know who, who's coming through um and and if you look at it in squad terms you would be saying, well, hopefully you've got two or three lads coming through who, who will, you know, thicken that squad out a bit. And that's not happening. And as a result, you're ending up with five, six lone players every mm. different season yeah. and, and then another lot the following season.
0: But Ben, is, is, surely this is the time where you'd think, if there's anyone in the academy, this is your time to get in the team. Mm. Yeah. The team mm. players are not doing it at all. Fans would be buzzing to see fresh legs, fresh race from the academy. So that says to me that the academy is not good enough. And I speak to people in football and they say, what's going on at QPR, the culture at QPR? And I keep hearing, oh, the academy, it's all about developing players. It's not about winning games. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. OK, so we're near the bottom of every, every year in the league, in the academy, 18s, 23s, whatever, and we're not producing players. So, we're not doing either. So if we're bottom of the league, okay, but producing players, then well done. Bottom of the league, not producing players, that ain't good. Mm. Why? I do
1: Yeah. I'm going on Monday to Fulham. They're playing the, the, it's the on the twenty threes Premier League quarterfinal competition. So I mean there are I mean I will say there are a couple of decent players in that twenty threes, but they got now is maybe it's a chance to have a look at them. Um, Ian, there's a right back gone. They're playing yeah. in
0: the under 23s. Yeah, but then it, if you're making the first team, you should be around it like Sinclair Armstrong 19 20. am not giving it but, the big night. I was playing at ninety. I was playing 18, 19, 20. I wasn't playing for the under 23s when I'm 23. No, but they the, these, these lads are like 18,
1: 19. They're not 23 year olds, but they're playing in the 23s. That's what I'm trying to say um and there's a right back i boyd he might have a chance Be interest maybe he should get called up play right back at the weekend if flares out you know but as you say it's it's difficult isn't it i mean that it's it does seem across the board it's difficult there aren't i mean looking at other clubs are there many clubs that are bringing in loads of kids from their academies is it are the, are the academies too cosseted nowadays is it too the step up from the academies into first team football. I, I, I can't think off top of my head any club off the top of my head that's bringing their kids through to they, they, their first teams are littered with, with with young academy players. Is the system too soft across the board, Kev?
0: Yeah, maybe. I mean, it's like
1: that it's gap like... between sorry, did something you, but that gap between going up from the 18s in, in, into the first team, it, there aren't many clubs that are doing it.
0: I just think if you're like you have sort of a succession, it's like in the up. I don't like going saying in the old days because people say, "Oh, you're dying away." In the old, in the olden, what the days you were? If you were good in the under 18s you then step up and train with the reserves, and then the first team. Do you, do you know what I mean? I mean, are these lads training with the first team? Because that's yeah. the way you get better. I mean, I hear. Yeah. I, w- I went for a walk before um, we came on this um, podcast, and I was just thinking about. There's this big thing in this country, and people keep talking about coaching, coaching, coaching. Now, Neil Critchley, I read before he's got the job that he's got every badge and he's in under the under everything. Now, as Neil Critchley is probably a great coach, but that doesn't mean anything because when I'm nineteen twenty, he ain't coaching me how to control the ball and and making me. Do you understand? There's a big yeah. thing about this. Oh, he's a great coach. Neil Warnock is, is probably been our best manager for the last fifteen years, whether we like him or not. I, everyone's got a different opinion, but he's been our most successful manager. He's done no coaching. He's a manager. He's a motivator. Neil Christie's probably a best coach, great coach. Is he? Is he a motivator? It doesn't. Dave McIntyre said it on Twitter a few months ago. QPR like a big personality. Mm. I'm not sure he's got that. I know I'm going on Tantra, but it's just like things are coming into my head because I went to the game yesterday and I went on Saturday and I'm frustrated. People are talking to me and I'm getting it from it all what do you think? What do you think? And it's all coming. I went for a walk and it's all coming into my head. So this this thing about being a coach, honestly, what you're gonna tell you got a coach um Senny not to drop the ball. Mm. Drop the ball. You're going to coach Ilya's chair to miss the penalty? No, no. Just whack it hard and low in the corner and if a keeper saves it, we'll all out, put our hands on and say, great save. Hmm. It's like a mentality and it's a culture at the club.
2: Yeah. I mean, I it, it, it does appear to- that... Because uh, you, you mentioned about motivation and, and, and so on. I'm um, interested to know your thoughts because from talking to a, another former professional about you know, who motivates players when they're having a bad run. And and he was very much of the view that, you know, people always say, well, that's down to the manager or the coach. But he said, no, um, when I was playing, it was players in the team who would be, you know, calling you out for if, if you weren't tracking back or if you weren't getting your balls uh, in, in the box or, or whatever it was. I mean, from,
0: from your era, would you agree with that, that primarily it's... Down to people in the pitch so before yes. the match the manager will do a team talk and then everyone gets together and says come on let's we're gonna have a right go and we'll say and and this is like qPR like a night game and Look, get the let's get the crowd on side someone make a tackle get them slide tackle have a shot on goal get the crowd right behind you and then if people don't do it you dig them out if someone didn't cross the ball I'd be saying to the right winger put the ball in the box because if you don't put the ball in the box I ain't gonna score. And then, if I go, oh, I'm going to look bad and, and I'm going to get dropped. So, you put the ball in the box for me. And you sort of, it's, it's, it's a bit of a camaraderie and respect of teammates. If the centre half ain't heading, win your headers. Do you know what I mean? It's you, you chat. It's, and you can have a go at people on the pitch. I don't know what they're doing. And like have a proper argument. But then after the game, you shake your hands. Let's have a drink afterwards. Not a problem.
1: Mm. I mean, I mean, you've been in QPR teams, I'll kind of hop back to the 99-2000 Around then, I think Jerry was the manager. I mean, that team nearly went down. It stayed up in the last last game of the season against Palace. But there was a run in that season where it looked really bad. They couldn't buy a goal, couldn't get a win. What kind of got you over the line in the end? What, what sort of, what was it? Was it just you had better players and the form they were showing? Or do you think it was... You know, and there was
0: there was what, what, a there was a lot of problems at the club, and Jerry sort of came in and steadied the ship. And then that last game against um Palace, we won six nil and stayed up. And George sort of scored a world class goal, which he never done before or since. So what I'm trying to say, the luck is like it can change very quickly. I mean, last night, the end drops the ball, we're one nil down. 1-0, we get a penalty, and you're thinking, you score this, the whole picture can change. And it can change very quickly on the pitch. But, you know, it's, it's hard to, to put your finger on it. You've got to get together. You've got to show come up, um, team spirit. You've got to work. and You need to get the fans on side as well. And at the moment, I can see the fans are, are very frustrated, like... They should be, and uh, the way of doing that is putting in performance, hard work, and don't fold. QPR folded last night in the end, mm. and uh, it was just just a, just a poor, poor. It's it's hard to put your finger on it, but you need yeah. a win quickly, and you need. I mean, I went to the game last night, and I said, "Look, we've got to win soon. Can't keep losing. You got something's got to change." But but it happened again, and we lost
1: yeah i mean it, it does appear more and more in modern football that the pr of a manager is everything i mean you look at nathan jones i mean these bizarre match ramblings at southampton i mean it's, i mean unlike jones crucially hasn't stopped short of claiming he was one of the best coaches in europe and his best job but i mean he's a softly spoken mild-mannered sort of guy and a nice fella my experiences dealing yeah. with him I mean, but has he got the personality to be a QPR manager, or is that sort of massively unfair? I mean, it's a results business; If a team's winning. No one cares about, you know, personality of a manager. That's how I see it. But do you think that to manage QPR is, is? A, I think it's a more difficult job than people give me credit for. But do you think to manage QPR, you have to be of a certain type? That's what the fans expect.
0: I think I think the fans like that. I mean, going back, I mean, I spoke to my brother who was at Portsmouth and they played Blackpool for a few years when, when they got promoted. And he said Blackpool were solid at the back, solid, didn't concede much. And he played four midfielders, like four centre midfielders in midfield, like he sort of did against Millwall. So he played two centre midfielders against Mill, and he played Dazelle, who's a centre midfielder, right midfield. And he played chair. He's not really a midfielder, but he played him left midfield. Okay. This is what I thought he was trying to do. He played a left footer on the on the right, and he played a right foot on the left with Chair and Diselle, thinking that the the fullbacks will give him the width. As soon as you go one-nil down, that sort of game plan goes out the window. Mm. If you win if you're winning one-nil, you're looking solid. Do you know what I mean? It's hard to break down. But when you're one-nil down, now you've got to come come out and, and create some chances. And going back to the Millwall game. We put the ball in the box and Chris Martin scored. Yeah, probably one of the first times we actually just put the ball in the box. For the last ten minutes, we started putting the ball in the box and it looked dangerous, but we didn't do that for the first eighty mm. minutes. Do you know, it was like I thought we were getting an equaliser because we started just getting the ball and putting the ball in the box. And sometimes, I'm watching QPR and it's a little bit intricate, and you're going to try and score the perfect goal. Sometimes mm. you just got to put the ball in the box, yeah, and people got to be in there to attack it.
1: Yeah, uh, I agree with that. I mean, they didn't do, didn't get the ball in the box enough last night. And when they did, they got a penalty. Yeah, they, I mean, they played very narrow, cute goal. Oh, that's always my thing. It's always get the ball. I mean, you know, no one likes to see free flowing football more than me. But sometimes it does seem a little bit over elaborate. Where ball comes back, ball goes forward, it goes sideways, it goes, and then teams just sitting deep. And then you've got eight men to try and get behind, and that's where they struggle. But there's <sighs> I don't know. It's. If you look you know, at the maybe stats, I mean it is I mean maybe, couldn't, I'm,
2: couldn't, I'm sorry sorry PPL. sorry Ben I was just yeah not carry on yeah I was just going to say is
1: is Low more of a winger than a forward Could he be the man to play that role out in the wing and get Is
0: that something he should be doing more? Oh, Jamal Lowe is not really. A, he's not a proper. He's not a number nine, is he? Mm. He's sort of a runner, channels yeah. and stuff. Yeah, when he was at Portsmouth. He played right wing and uh, there's sort of a little bit of a lack of pace as in going you know, to stretch, stretch a team which we sort of missed since, was it Osei Samuel hasn't, I know he's been gone but we haven't really rectified that, I mean if you look back you got Willock, Chair, they don't go on the outside, they come inside and they have shots, Tyler Roberts doesn't go on the outside, the only one who really runs down the channel and is Sinclair Armstrong. And I, I actually feel, I still feel that he needs a season or two on loan at a League One or League Two club. And then we'll mm-hmm. see a better player in a couple of years. I think it's too early for him. And it's not fair on him either to be in a situation like this. But we, we haven't actually got any, that's why Led and Powell are sort of like your, your wingers when we've got the ball. And that's what I think Critchley's trying to do, especially against um, Millwall, where he played Dozell on the right, because he's thinking dozell will come inside and give Laird the freedom to run down the, the, the right side. But I just feel, you know, you're playing Millwall at home and you've got Willock, and I know he hasn't been playing well, but I just don't see how you're going to get the best. You want Willock to come back to what he was good at, sitting on the bench. Now, yeah. there's something's gone gone, gone wrong with Willock. I don't know the ins and outs of it, but from being that good at the start of the season to now being on the bench, something, I don't know what's going on there. Ben, sorry, mate, I interrupted you there. What was your point you wanted to say? <laughs>
1: sorry,
2: Ben. I th- yeah, no no problem. I, I think um, I was just going to point out, you know, with, re- with reference to the Sunderland game, I think if you look at the stats, um, QPR have, Control possession, I think it was something like uh, between 55 and 60% possession, and yet in terms of uh, shots at goal, uh, something like six in the whole game and two of those on target. So that says to me, and, and it's not an unfamiliar stat, and that says to me there's a lot of possession but not a lot being done with it, and and, and then picking up the, the point about wingers, um, I think this is a, pro- a problem of modern football in general. I think there are very few, what I would call, wingers anywhere. Um, you see teams lining up with a, a 4-2-3-1, and sometimes the manager will refer to the wide players or whatever. They're not wide players. They're, they're, I mean, they're midfielders who are sort of, sort of drifting wide, but they're not wingers. They're not the sort of players that, you know, you will run down that line, beat the fullback, get the cross in. Uh, I, I don't think many teams have those. Um, but certainly, if you don't have any of those players, and, and I agree, as, as you say, QPR, I've not had, since Bright, I say, Samuel, a, a player you would say is a, an out-and-out winger. If, if you don't have those, then, for me, four-four-two, not a system that is ever going to be that productive. Mm. Yeah,
1: interesting. But um, I think... I mean, I don't want to bring Brentford into this, but Brentford. Are, I, w- I was at Arsenal, Brentford Saturday for work, and you know, I, Brentford players—they're a bit like an old school. They're like Wimbledon were in the when Wimbledon were good in the in the nineties. You know, that's not disparaging them, but that's basically that. You know, they got three massive centre backs. They got and they just put balls in the box. They got a goalkeeper who's got a big kick on him, and Tony can hold off two centre forwards, two centre backs. That's what they do, and it works. And teams can't live with it. I just don't know how to defend against it, and a lot of, they're not playing two banks of four, 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 two, but they're very direct in what they
0: do, and it you know, and it works. Long throws, free kicks in the box. They've gone you know, from being a, like a real passing team to a sort of a direct get up to Tony, flick it on, and have runners off him. That's what they hmm. do, and because no one else does it, defenders don't know how to deal with it. Yeah, because everything's sort of mm. intricate. Mm. Everyone else wants to score the perfect goal, Do you know, that's, yeah, you know what I mean. Some like we said, last ten minutes, put the ball in the box against Millwall, look dangerous. Just put it in mm. there, put them under pressure, Jack mm. Charlton style. <laughs>
1: yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, I mean, it doesn't get any easier for for Critchley and and the team. They go to a, you know Middlesbrough. Well, they've had a good record in recent years. Actually, I think they've won. Um, Three of the last four up there, but um, it's going to be a tough game. They're going really well under Michael Carrick. They seem very settled. They're in good form. I mean, it's it's hard to see Rangers getting getting anything from this game. Um, you, you know, I'm I'm usually quite optimistic about these things, but it's, it's going to be very difficult
0: up there, isn't it, Kevin? Very difficult. On normal circumstances, I'm always quite positive about nicking a result. Um, of some sort, but the way sort of just it's just it's just difficult. I don't really want to do a prediction in this time because mm. <laughs> I'm always positive, and I'm going to go positive. I'm going to go for one-one because I always want to. I, I want to be positive, and if I've ranted a little bit too much, apologize to all those uh, fans out there who might listen <laughs> to this. But I'm, a, I'm frustrated like the rest of us because I want QBR to do well. But uh, look, yeah, this this situation where is it one win in seventeen? He's it, it, got to change. Something's got to change soon. So one-one, mm. but it's going to be tough. If we get, I'd take a one-one right now if you offered it to me. I mean, do you go there
1: looking for a draw? I mean, no one goes looking for a draw. But you, you know, pack the midfield, maybe leave Martin up top on his own. Is that this is
0: what you... This is when you go to a team that's doing well or whatever, or badly, whatever, and I could see Sunderland last night, their their manager would have probably said, boys, they're going to come at you for the first 20 minutes. Be solid. Keep it tight. And then the crowd might turn. You might nick a goal. I heard that speech so many times when I played football. You go away from home, keep it solid, keep it tight, get the crowd against them and then go and play your football. So what QPR do, do not concede in the first half. Be solid, frustrate them. So I would expect, if I was a QPR manager, I would be like, play deep, solid, and have pace uh, and for for like a breakaway and uh, counter-attacking. QPR got to play a counter-attacking game on Saturday for me.
2: Mm. Mm. Ben? Well, I was, I was waiting to see just how positive uh, Kev could be about his prediction, and, and he's certainly gone above what what I would go with, I'm afraid. Um, as you said, Ian, Rangers have had a good record against Middlesbrough recent years, and I'm afraid that's exactly one of the reasons why I can't see that continuing, because I, I do believe statistically these things catch up with you in the end, a bit like what we saw with playing Luton this season and, and losing twice, Um after a very good few years. Yeah, I mean the four Middlesbrough have been in. It's very hard to see Rangers getting anything. And yeah, I would like to be wrong, but I'm afraid I'm gonna predict a two-nil home win. Yeah, I'm gonna go down a similar vein. I
1: just think Rangers have got too many players missing. Chris Willock plays very well against Middlesbrough in recent visit. He's not gonna be out of play on Saturday, you'd think. I just don't see them. Having the horses available to them to pick a side that's going to be strong enough to go out there and, and, and get a result, unfortunately. Um, you know, I'd like a draw would be a really good result, just to kind of stop the rot a little bit. But I mean, I, I think it's gonna be a maybe a two one defeat, late goal, disappointment. That's just the way the luck's going from at the moment. Um, so
2: <laughs> on that cheery note. <laughs> <laughs> what what I will say, Ian. And I would like to make this point. I honestly believe when teams are, are on a bad run, you very often get a surprise result come out of nowhere that halts it. And I'm not saying that's necessarily going to be at Middlesbrough, but I, I honestly do believe um, when this run does end, I, I think it might be one that we're not particularly expecting it to happen. So yeah,
0: is um,
1: Yeah. <laughs> we'll wait and see. Well, Hopefully we'll come out next week or with we egg on our face and we can say, yes, we told you how good they were and they have a a 3-0 win, but um, okay, well thank you very much gents, appreciate your time and uh, please join us again next week and like, subscribe and do all all those other things we ask you to do and um, we'll see you again next week Sports Social Podcast Network